Well, I hope everybody's doing well tonight, and, I'll, and I promise I'll try to keep it that way. So, so tonight we're, we're going to be going over Psalms 19. God's law is perfect, changing the soul of man. So God has revealed himself in his creation and in his word, uh, his holy scriptures, and in the heart of man. So this is one of the 73 psalms uh, written by David. It begins, uh, to the chief musician, a psalm of David. Now, as I was uh, uh, doing uh, more study on, on this, I, I had uh, come across uh, some commentators who believe that the chief musician is actually God himself. Um, I'd never really thought of it that way, but that probably could be what David intended uh, but uh, while others believe it was either the choir director or the musicians, uh, which is what I uh, kind of always thought it was. Now, we can't be clear because it, it doesn't really say, but I just think it's a good thought that uh, the, uh, the, the chief musician really is the Lord. So, so uh, in verses 1 through 6, we, we're going to see that God's creation declares his glory. In 7 through 11, we'll see God's personal revelation uh, through his scripture. Uh, and it, within uh, verses 7 through 11, it will explain what God's word, his Bible is, our, the, as we know the Bible. Um, and it also explains what God's word does. And in verses 12 through 14, uh, we'll see God's word, uh, God's effect on the, on the soul of man, how his word affects the soul of man. So, we're going to go on ahead and, and quickly read through uh, Psalm 19. It's not very long, but it's really good. So this is God's word. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing like a strong man to run its race. It's rising from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. 
Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord. And as we read uh, this psalms of David, which uh, he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we can see uh, we can see a man who knew your word. He read it, he believed it, and he applied it to his life, Lord. I, I just pray, Father, that you would help us to see what you have for us in this portion of Scripture, Lord. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and open our ears. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll start at, at verse 1. So the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, the expanse, shows his handiwork. So the Hebrew word for heavens used here is, is uh, samayim, and this can refer to the physical part of the universe, uh, the sky, the stars, the planets, as well as the dwelling place of God. In this instance, though, uh, it is not referring to the dwelling place of God. In this portion of Scripture, it's speaking of the physical reality of the heavens that God has created, the sky, uh, where the sun, moon, stars, and the planets reside. Uh, so David wrote in Psalms 8.1, O Yahweh, in the LSB, O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who displays your splendor above the heavens. And Asaph wrote in Psalm 50, uh, uh, verse 6, Let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. And Paul wrote in Romans 1, 19 through 20, Because what? may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So we can see in Scripture that even if we never had uh, a televangelist or somebody come to us, and we resist, we resist God and, and refuse him, we're without excuse because we've had two things from the beginning. We've had his creation, which testifies of him, and we've had the conscience, which he's put in our heart. So God has made his testify, I mean, his, his creation to testify of him, and, and it just leaves us without excuse. So verse 2, day unto day utter speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. So God's creation and the heavens declare his glory. This is not done with literal speech uh, or language, obviously, but his creation nevertheless communicates and proclaims and reveals knowledge. And this knowledge is relayed to us day and night. Uh, the heavens declare his glory without ceasing because it's always there as a witness as the evidence of his awesome power and might. We can simply look up and we can see that there is a God. So Asaph wrote in Psalm seventy-four, sixteen: the day is your, yours, the night also is yours. You have prepared the light 
and the Son. So verse 3 and the first part of 4, there is no speech nor language where where their voice is not heard, their line, sound, or voice, it can also be uh, translated sound or voice, has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So there's no place on earth uh, that we cannot get away from God's message, which ties right in with the fact that God is, is, is om- omniscient, omnipotent. He's everywhere at one time. He knows all things. Uh, he's omnipresent. Uh, so there's no place on earth, no place in this world that this knowledge has not reached. It's gone through all the earth uh, and creation's words to the end of the world. God's creation is an effective witness without the use of words. Be sure of this, the whole world has heard God's message because his creation declares his glory. Paul quotes uh, this portion of scripture, this particular portion of scripture in Romans 10, uh, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. So in the remaining uh, portion of verse 4 through 6, In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from his heat. So I thought I would put a couple of pictures of a sunrise and a, and a picture of a sunset up here. And these are beautiful, right? I mean... But uh, even, even here, you know, how often do we talk about how, be- how beautiful the rising sun is or the setting sun and how, uh, how God paints the sky so gloriously that n- no artist can, can accurately recreate that? Even the pictures don't do it justice if we just walked outside to watch it. Uh, our creator alone could do this. So David, you know, obviously he was a shepherd, and I imagine that he spent uh, several uh, days uh, watching the sunrise and the sunset, and I'm sure that he was struck by the awesome power and majesty on display from the Father in heaven. When we consider the power of the sun, which is, you know, we can't look at it, it's, uh, it, it, gives us, it sustains life here, gives us heat, it's a massive, and it is a fraction of the power that our heavenly father has our omnipotent all-powerful god who brought it into existence so in psalms 104:2, we see that god stretched out the heavens who cover yourself with a light as with a garment who stretch out the heavens like a curtain and we see in ecclesiastes or in psalms 113:3, from From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. And that's what his creation does, right? It praises him when we look at the sun, when we look at the stars in the sky, and we look at at, uh, all these things that he's he's put in his own creation. We can't deny it. It's it's undeniable unless you willfully deny it, unless you're blinded uh, by the enemy, so to speak. 
So the sun also rises. In Ecclesiastes 1.5, we see the sun also rises, and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rose. It's consistent, right? It just it, it comes up the same every, every day. Nothing's more consistent than the, than the sun except death and taxes, I hear. So. so God has made the heavens, which declares glory. And we see here they, they, they highlight the sun's power and, and its course. You know, they're highlighted in, in this portion of Scripture. So in verse 7, which is uh, part of my, my very favorite part of, of, uh, of this uh, psalm, uh, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, which means complete, converting, restoring the soul. So I, I, uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, John Barnett, but uh, I heard him say this, and it's always stuck with me. He says, the law is the divine teaching from the Lord, uh, the divine teacher. And that, boy, that just sticks in my mind all the time now. I just always understand that I, th- th- when I'm reading God's word, it is the divine teaching that he's given us, the divine teacher. That is just, I don't know why, uh, I don't know why that struck me so so well, uh, or, or so, so perfectly, it just seemed right. But, uh, so I've, I've stolen it from him a little bit, but I give him credit every time I use it. So, so in, in verse, uh, again, so we see here, so, so Yahweh's law, the, the Torah is perfect. Okay. The word perfect here is tamim, uh, and it means complete. It lacks nothing. So another word for converting uh, is, is uh, restoring. So God's word is complete and it's able to restore our souls. Think about this. So God, the divine teacher, has provided us the law, the divine teaching, which is complete and lacks nothing. So if we think about that, you know, we should understand that if we spend time in his, in his word and we, and we spend time seeking his face, He's given us all that we need uh, for, for life and godliness. Uh, Peter says that, and I believe it. And so, you know, he's provided these things. If, so if you, be, if you believe this, if you read his word and you believe it, and believe me, it's true, it will change your life. It will, it will, uh, it, it will change your life if you, will, if you will just read it and understand it and follow it. You know, Jim's been teaching, he just taught over the Wednesday night uh, on how to study the Bible, how, you, you know, you, you, you read it, and then you, you interpret it, and then you apply it. And if you skip any of those, it's not going to work. So I, I would admonish, I, and believe me, everything that I say to you, I say to myself first, you know, we need to read it, we need to understand it, and we need to apply it to our lives daily. So in Psalms 111.7, it's, or one, uh, actually, am I, I'm not sure I'm in the right one here. Okay, so actually, this is uh, Psalm 119, uh, 119.160. The entirety of your word is true. All of God's word is true. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. We also see David wrote in Psalm 23, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I would imagine that just about everybody is familiar with that portion of Scripture. 
but it will. It, you know, his word, it, 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 it is perfect and it is complete and, and it will restore our soul. Okay, so in verse, uh, the remaining portion of verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, it's reliable and faithful, making wise the simple, the naive and experienced person or open-minded. So we, we often hear how uh, being open-minded is, uh, you know, we have to be open-minded. Um, uh, and I can't remember who said it, but somebody said, when you, when you leave your mind open, your brain falls out. But what he's talking about here doesn't mean that you can't logically consider and look at things. Obviously, we can do that. God's given us a brain to look at things. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that we, that we are open-minded without discernment. So uh, God's witness, his testimony, his bearing witness. So think about that, too. God is, is his testimony. This is his testimony to us. He's bearing witness to us. It is reliable, and it is faithful. You can trust it. We can trust it. And it can make those of us who are naive and gullible and open-minded without discernment wise so that we're no longer that way. And I know nobody's been that way before, but I've been that way plenty in my life. And I'm thankful for God's word that has, has shown me godliness and righteousness. So God's word, his witness to us, can make us wise. It can give us discernment. So that we are not fooled by the lies of the world, uh, our, the lies of our flesh, or the lies that the devil tells us. It's our protection against that. So we see in Psalms 93.5, your testimonies are sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. And we see in Psalms 119, by the way, you're going to see a lot of 119 because 119 just parallels a lot with 19. And, and just as a little tidbit, you know, uh, a, there's a lot of possibilities for who wrote Psalm 119. It, we don't know from the text. It's, it's Jewish tradition that Ezra wrote it. Uh, and Ezra is, is uh, uh, the, the most revered uh, uh, Jew, right? right beneath Moses because he, he, had, he wrote all, everything that we have into Hebrew. And he, uh, and he started the synagogues and he did all those things. The, the daily readings that they have to this day, he's done that. So uh, I, I don't know for sure that it was him. Uh, some, uh, the the, uh, the, the, the Encyclop- Encyclopedia Judaica, Jewish tradition, says that it was him. A lot of people believe it may have been David. It could have been Hezekiah. It could have been Nehemiah. Uh, all I know is that uh, it was all inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. If you've never read Psalm 119, do that, uh, because it will bless you. It'll take you 15 minutes to read it if you read it straight through, because it's, it's, it's uh, very long, but it's, it's fabulous. So anyway, so, so in Psalm 119, 98 through 100, we see, You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. So God's word can make us wise if we read it, if we believe it, and if we apply it. 
So in verse 8, the first part of verse 8, so the statues, the orders and procedures of the Lord are right, upright and straight, rejoicing to, to make glad the heart. So God's procedures are right. They are righteous. So these things that God puts before us, you know, they are right. We should do them. And when we obey him and follow his orders, we are made to rejoice and our hearts are gladdened. Uh, when, you are, are, uh, a, when you are upright before the Lord, when you trust him and you obey him, it, it, it is a, a, a joy in our hearts because we are in fellowship with him. There's nothing breaking that fellowship. And uh, I, my prayer for myself is every day that I would focus upon him and that I would not let things distract me and I would let not thing, things not come in between uh, him and myself because I need him desperately. You know, I spend time in the Word every day because, uh, not because, uh, you know, I've got it figured out, but because I know I don't. And I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that uh, I need him constantly. I need his Word to change me and to transform my mind. So, as we see in, uh, we'll see in Psalms 119, 128, verse 128, Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right, I hate every false way. Do you hate every false way? You know, we live in a, we live in a society uh, where there are many, many things that are, are contrary to what we're taught from God's Word. And the culture war, wars are raging. Uh, I, I would say that, that they're probably one of the biggest concerns in, in the modern-day church. And how the church reacts to, to those culture wars and how they deal with uh, the issues in society are so important. And, and the way that we, we deal with it is we speak God's word in truth and love and we stand with it. And we don't, uh, we don't change uh, with pressure coming from society. We should be uh, a people who are more concerned with, with uh, offending our God in heaven than we are with offending uh, the world. So uh, when it says here you hate every false way, obviously this is not the hate for a person or a hate for a sinner, but we are to hate that sin. We, are, we're, we don't want it in ourselves. We see David over and over again how he wants that sin removed out of his life and he wants to be protected from that. We would want that too. We, we don't want that sin in our life and, and we hate every false way. We don't want it in, in, in our lives and we don't, want to, we don't want to see that for others either. So in Jeremiah fifteen six, one, one of my favorite uh, portions of scripture, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and delight uh, uh, or the jo- uh, joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. When you belong to the Lord, you are called by his name. And we have to remember that when we're out in the world and when we uh, are, are being a witness for the Lord, even when we're not thinking about it. You know, we are called by his name. And when you're called by his name, you want to give him honor. And you want to be pleasing to him. And his word, when you find his word and, and, and you get it in you and it changes you, it's the only thing that can change you. There's not a drug that can change you. There's not a, there, there's not a vaccine that can change you. There's nothing that can change you but the Holy Spirit, him working in you. God and his word, that is how it happens. 
So in Psalm 119.14, I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. So in the remaining portion of verse 8, the commandment, the giving of an order, or the Lord is pure, it's clean, enlightening, illuminating the eyes. So when our Heavenly Father gives orders, they are pure and they are clean and they illuminate our eyes. His commandments give us understanding. So we see in Psalms 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So his words are so pure. I mean, they're completely pure. Uh, the number seven is the number of completion in the Bible. And what, what this is saying is that his word is as pure as it can be. It is completely pure. I just think it's beautiful. So in Psalm 36, 9, we see, uh, for, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. So God illuminates us, uh, our eyes. He gives us understanding. The Holy Spirit leads us in all truth when we, when we read his word and when we study his word. So it's, it's so important that if we lack wisdom, and we all do, we all do not have all the wisdom that we need. But even in James it says, if you lack wisdom, ask him and he gives it liberally and without reproach and he will give it to you. So in verse, uh, the first por- uh, part of verse 9 Uh, The fear, reverence, fear, and worship of the Lord is clean, it's purifying, enduring, remaining, uh, remaining uh, remain standing and established forever. So reverent fear and worship of the Lord is purifying. So it cleanses us and his word will remain and establish forever. So those who fear him and worship him will endure forever. You know, I think back to when uh, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, and he said, the day's coming when, when uh, we'll all worship him only in spirit and in truth. And uh, I pray that every day. I pray, you know, uh, that we do worship him in spirit and truth. And the first step in order to worship him in spirit is that you have to belong to, to Jesus. Um, singing the song doesn't do it. And even praying doesn't do it if you do not belong to him. So the, the last portion of verse 9, the judgments and decisions, uh, decisions of the Lord are true. They're trustworthy and consistent and righteous and the right and just all together. So every decision God makes is trustworthy and consistent. So do you know anybody that does that? Maybe, maybe somebody in our government who's able to, to do that? Maybe somebody that you know in your family is able to be trustworthy and consistent no matter what they do? There's people who are trustworthy, but are they, are they always trustworthy? Are they always consistent? Our Heavenly Father is. His Word is. These are, these, these are the attributes of His Word. So they are right and just in every way. They are complete right and just in every way. So we see in Psalm uh, 119.42, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. 
this reminds me of when Jesus uh, had prayed for the disciples, and he said, Father, uh, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. And that, uh, I was thinking, man, you know, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he's given them something very important there. I mean, it, his word is truth. You know, if we know his word is truth, then we should be in his word. We should be reading it and understanding it, believing it, and applying it to our lives. So we also see in Psalm 119, 138, your testimonies, which you have commanded, are righteous and very faithful. Are you guys getting a picture here? God is very faithful. He's trustworthy. You can trust him. You can trust his word. So in verse 10, it says, It is more to be desired, or more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So David, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, declares that God's word is, is more valuable than the finest gold and sweeter than honey. Um, is this how you think of God's word? Is this how we think about it? Is, is it valuable to you? Do you open it and seek treasure out of it? When, you, when you're reading his word, is it sweet to you like honey? Is it precious to you? Do you desire his word like you would fine gold? And is it sweeter to you than honey? Well, David thought it was, and I think I agree with him. I can't tell you the time, and I know there's numerous people uh, here, here and probably listening who belong to the Lord, who have opened his word and been, and been struck by how uh, faithful his word is and how precious it is and how life-giving it is and how it changes them. I mean, they can be in a moment of desperation and God's word will just uh, open the truth up to them. You know, I, I know that's happened to me numerous times, and, I, and I've, I've known uh, thousands of people where that's happened to because that's just how God's Word works. So we see in Psalm 119, uh, verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than, a, than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Psalm 119, 127 Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So God's word is precious. And when we, uh, when we read it, and we consume it, and it gives us joy, and it satisfies us, oftentimes we may read it and not be happy with, with uh, what, what God's revealing to us and, and cleaning up in us, but the end result is always satisfaction, a sweetness, uh, because God has cleansed us and moved us, moved us closer to him. So in verse 11... Moreover, by them, your servant is warned, and in keeping, there is a great reward. So God's word, it warns us, and it teaches us the right path. 
And when we obey his word, there is a great reward. I mean, uh, namely, uh, et eternal life. Uh, when we say yes to the Lord and we belong to him, we enter into eternal life with him. If that's all you got in this life, that would be enough. If you never had one more blessing, one more grace, nothing but that, that was more than we could ever have hoped for or deserved. So those who trust and obey will receive eternal life and many abundant blessings in this life as we grow in the knowledge of God through that same trust and obedience. So David wrote in Psalm 17:4, concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. God has kept him from the paths of the destroyer because of his word. In Psalm 24, 5 through 6, in, in the uh, Legacy Standard Bible, says, He shall lift up a blessing from Yahweh and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Pay heed, O Jacob, Selah. In Psalms 29, 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. So in verse 12, it says, who can understand his errors, cleanse Acquit me from secret faults. So there isn't any one of us uh, who is able to understand their own sins. And we see that in Jeremiah 17, 9. And, and God has provided his word as a mirror to help us know and understand sin. We see that in James uh, 1, through 25. So David is asking God to remove any hidden sin from his life. This is a daily prayer we should all have, um, and our desire should be to be clean and upright before the Lord, and his word can transform and renew our minds, cleansing out the filth and the dirt uh, of our sinful lives. So we, we see that as what, what Paul is talking about in Romans 12 too, that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we give our, our bodies as a living sacrifice because that is our, that's our reasonable worship before the Lord. He has already given us all that we need, everything that we need. We simply have to um, uh, go to him. So in Jeremiah 17, 9, it tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So there are times where we feel like we are in the right or we believe that, we're, that we are... Uh, good or that we uh, are just doing everything right and one of the sayings that I hate to hear is follow your heart I, I just I, this pops up in my head every time I hear it and I'm like no don't do that because our heart is deceitful it is wicked and God's word fixes that God's word if we get in his word it fixes it changes us from the inside I'm going to say this a lot because it's so true. We cannot be changed if the Holy Spirit does not change us from the inside out. We can, we can walk around and look like a Christian. We can talk like a Christian. We can do all these things. But uh, it reminds me when Jesus used to tell them, you know, well, you, you say that you never murdered anybody, but have you thought about murdering them? 
You know, did you, did you hate your brother? Then you've killed him in your heart. And that's what God wants. God wants the inside. He wants our inside to walk just like our outside was. If you don't murder on the outside, don't murder on the inside. So in James 1, 22 through 25, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So David also writes in uh, Psalm 51, 1 through 2, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Also in Psalm 90, verse 8, You have set out our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Secret sin is sort of like an oxymoron with God because there is none. He knows, he, knows, he knows everything. So when we think that there's things that uh, he doesn't know, we see right here that he does. It's right before him. And uh, God uh, can in us, he can search and he can find and he can remove iniquities and, and give eternal life. So in Psalm 193, uh, 139, 23 through 24, The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So God can search us and he can remove our sins. He can find that sin. He can remove that sin. He does that through his word. He has revealed himself through his word. His word is, is his, again, his divine teaching. It teaches us how we should live here. So verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. So scripture teaches us that salvation is of the Lord. So David knows this and he asked that God would keep him from sins of rebellion and open defiance, intentional sin. Uh, well, the Old Testament law gave, uh, gave provision for in- unintentional sin, but there was no provision for intentional sin. There was no available sacrifice, as we see in Numbers uh, 15, 30. But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native-born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord, and he shall be cut off from among the people. Cut off um, it was capital punishment. So, so David, being well familiar uh, with this, he was asking God uh, that he would keep him from temptation and deliver him from evil, just as Jesus modeled uh, in the prayer for the disciples in Matthew's, uh, Matthew 6, 13. Because of the influence of the Holy Spirit on David, he did not want sin to have dominion over him, and he wanted to be blameless. That's what God's word does when, when his spirit lives in us. Now, of course, by the blood of Jesus, that prayer has been fulfilled for all who believe and call upon the name of the Lord. 
So Paul clearly teaches in Romans 6 and specifically declares in verse 14 that sin shall not have dominion dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. Amen. So David's desire to be blameless before the Lord was because he read and he believed and he desired to apply God's word to his life. It gave David understanding uh, uh, that he was a sinner in need of salvation. He calls out to God because he knows he cannot do these things he has asked for in his own strength. The law shows us we need salvation, but it does not save the law is a mirror. So we could go to the mirror, and I'm, I'm, this is a common uh, uh, example that's given, but you can go to the mirror, and you can have all kinds of stuff on your face and your hair messed up, but your mirror does not comb your hair and clean your face. It just lets you know it's there. You have to do that. And God gives us the means to do that through his word. So the law is a mirror, and his word Uh, must be applied in our daily lives so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus the free gift of our heavenly father so we see in Psalm 119 133 direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me So David also says in, in Psalm 18, 32, it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Again, the word for perfect is complete. In Psalm 25, 11, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. I'm so thankful that we have salvation through Christ, that God showed his love for us, that he sent Jesus to die for us when we were still sinners. There was uh, obviously nothing that we could do, and there was no way we could pay the debt. And uh, that's just such a great demonstration of God's love and mercy toward us. So in verse 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, uh, it be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So David was asking for God's influence and his power regarding the words of his mouth as well as his inner thought life. He desired to be upright in all his ways uh, before a righteous and a holy God. And we should, we should desire that as well. And, and that's what his, his word will do to us. You know, his word says that, if we, if we seek him, he, you know, and we put him first, he'll give the desires of our heart. Uh, and the secret to that is that he takes our desires that are not good and they're not perfect, and he gives us his desire. And now our will becomes a will that's matched up with his will, his perfect will. And our desires are conformed and transformed into, into, into good and right desires. So in Psalm 104.34, we see uh, this. May my meditation be sweet to him. Always be glad in the Lord. And David also uh, says in Psalm 18, verse 1 through 2, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. 
in, in Isaiah 47, 4. As for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. So we know from verses 1 through 4 that the heavens declare the glory of God. So let's take a quick, uh, a quick view of uh, verse 7 through 11 of what the, Bible, what the Bible attributes are and what it does. So as we can see, God's word, uh, the Bible, is God's law is perfect and complete. And what it does is it converts and it restores the soul. God's testimony and witness is sure, and it makes wise the simple. God's precepts are right, and they rejoice and gladden the heart. God's commandments is pure, enlightening the eyes. He gives us understanding. The fear of God is clean and cleansing, enduring forever. It's standing and it's established God's judgments are true, righteous altogether, perfectly right and just, righteous altogether. Everything about them is righteous. God's word is to be desired more than gold. God's word is a treasure ready to be discovered. God's word is sweeter than honey, sweet and satisfying to our soul. God's word is a warning beacon. It warns us of sin and rewards our obedience. So we see in, in verses 12 through 14, we see the soul of man, what God's word reveals, and then the soul of man, what God's word does. So in 12, we see we lack understanding regarding our secret sin, and God's word makes us aware and is able to cleanse us from our secret sin. In 13, we see that, God, uh, that we need God's help to keep us from rebellion and open sin. And then we see that God's word uh, tells us that sin will not have dominion over us, so we will be blameless and innocent through the blood of Christ. Amen. So in verse 14, we need to be right before God in our speech and our inner thoughts. God doesn't just want us to look like we uh, obey him and belong to him. He wants us to, to belong and obey, to, uh, obey him on, a, on the inside with our, with our words, with our thoughts, with our meditations. So we will be acceptable in his sight, and we will know that our strength and our redemption is only in him. So, um, you know, Jeremiah, and again in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We desperately need the Lord, and we need the truth of his word. And we're so thankful, I'm so thankful for his mercy and his grace uh, that he has made a way to restore those who, who have been separated from him back into relationship with him. And so I would, I would say um, at this point, uh, whoever's listening, that uh, if you don't know the Lord, uh, it's more urgent than you could ever imagine because you're not promised the next, the next second. Uh, and if you leave this life uh, not knowing the Lord, not, not belonging to him, not agreeing with him, and, and uh, the result is, is not good. These promises that he's given us in his word, they're great promises, but they only belong to those who, who belong to him, 
who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So I would just uh, admonish whoever's listening here in, in the building or maybe listening online, if you don't know the Lord and you uh, uh, would like to talk to any of us here, we, you know, we would love to walk with you in uh, a, a relationship with the one and only true God uh, because your life will never be the same. Um, so Psalm 19 is God's creation. Uh, it testifies of him. His law is perfect. And his word changes the souls of men. So Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. Father, what a blessing it is that you uh, have chosen to reveal yourself in your word and that you have chosen uh, to, uh, to bless us uh, with the gift of salvation. Father, it is uh, good and right that we give you praise and honor and glory. Father, we see in your word that that your own creation testifies of your glory, that you uh, have made it where we can look and we can see evidence of what you've done, Lord. We pray that uh, we would take this word, Lord, and that we would apply it and that we would give you uh, all the honor and glory and praise, Father. And we, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, let's uh, stand together. Let's uh, let's end tonight in worship. Mm-hmm.